Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uriah here. We are recording the day after the Sixers had a very close loss against the Milwaukee Bucks. And Chris, we have a lot of great subjects, but we just got to dive into this game first. Yeah, so 118-116 Milwaukee winning in Philadelphia, 40 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Had the game ceiling block at the end, one of three blocks for him. Obviously, a very impressive showing on Philly's side of things. 32 points, 9 assists, only 2 turnovers for James Harden. Arguably his best game as a sixer so far. 29-14-7 and seven for Joel. 22-11-6 for Tobias. Those two both had pretty strong games. Lucas, let's start with the big three for each team. Um, how do you think those star matchups played out? Ask you this, Chris: Are we are we having Tobias or Maxi as the third player of that big three? Because me and you usually well, say Maxi, but who's the third best player on the Sixers? I mean, that would be Tyrese Maxi. Okay, but but he had the best. Okay. Easy enough. Uh, well, then, uh, then he had a bad game, and that's uh, okay. Fine. If you're putting me into that type of box, then I I will work with it. I don't like it though. Okay, so as you mentioned, Giannis had four, uh, 40 and 14, six assists, three blocks, game ceiling block, like you said. That's an A+. Middleton had a near triple-double, 22 points, nine rebounds, seven assists. And Drew Holiday had a, a near triple-double. He had a double-double with 18 and 10 plus eight rebounds. So they all get A-pluses around the board there. And then for the Sixers, Joel came away with 29 points, uh, 14 rebounds, seven assists. Harden, as you said, had 32, 5, and 9. And then while Tobias Harris had the much better game with 22 and 11, he is not part of our big three, as me and Chris have said multiple times. It's Tyrese Maxey. And Maxey really struggled in this game. He had 7 points, 6 assists on 3 of 11 shooting in about 40 minutes. It was not a pretty game for Maxey. But as as said, you know, Tobias Harris had 22, 11, and 6. But we can't use him. So in terms of big threes, if we have Maxi in as the third big three, I, I would say that Brooklyn clearly won that matchup. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I mean, Giannis, I think, obviously played the best game of anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of your feelings on Joel and Giannis, I think most of the time, like if we're projecting towards the series and we'll talk about that, it's kind of a wash. Those two mm-hmm. guys are both going to show up. Yeah, um, James, again, it's pretty promising to see him have such a good game against such a good defense in a game mm-hmm. in which Milwaukee was really trying. Both teams were really trying. He really showed up and showed out, which was nice to see. Like, again, we're talking about third stars. Middleton, Holiday, whoever you want to say it is, just generally has an edge over Maxi or Tobias, whoever you want to put there. 
Uh, I know y'all maybe don't agree with me on that. We had some conversations after the show last week, but um, Middleton's a really fantastic player. So is Drew Holiday. Those are both like top 30-ish guys in the league. So the Bucks have a real a real threat there with that trio. Um, and even if we want to stretch it to a big four, Brooke Lopez looked really good in this game for stretches. So Yeah, he got 17 and 3, and this is probably like his third or fourth game back from like major back injury. Yeah. So as far as star talent goes, it it's gonna it could go either way, either night. Obviously, Joel and James is a pretty dynamic duo. We both know that Tyrese and Tobias can have big nights. Tobias has been playing really, really well these past couple of weeks, but that's a pretty even matchup. And obviously, Milwaukee's big three, big four, whatever, showed up more than Phillies did to an extent. Obviously, this was a very close game, but yeah, I, I think Milwaukee gets the edge there. Um, but Lucas, what about the role players? Who do you think stood out from both teams as far as role players go? Well, in terms of role players, you already talked about Brooke Lopez. Uh, I think Grayson Allen had a solid game. I, I don't really love the personality or the persona that he's been kind of painted in, but he is who he is. And then for the Sixers, Chris, Doc finally like listened a little bit and got DeAndre Jordan out of that, that rotation. And he put in granted it's Paul Millsap, but, and he's not good, but he's, he's better than what we were getting from, from DeAndre Jordan. And I, I think at times he looked okay. Like he, you know, he's not great. He He's not, but like he, I don't think he was like severely outmatched on defense. I mean, considering that he was guarding Giannis, like it could have gone a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, I think the big takeaway from this game was that stretch at the end of the third and the beginning of the fourth where it was Giannis versus Millsap, and Giannis scored like 17 straight, and Milwaukee took the lead and didn't really look back. Um, I mean, that you could argue that cost them the game. Like, Millsap's 10 minutes were probably the most detrimental minutes. Uh, like, like, I agree, he's probably better than Jordan. I Giannis would have done the same thing to DeAndre Jordan. It's like picking between two extremely poor options in that respect. Mm -hmm. Um, Doc City almost went with Paul Reed, and someone on Twitter said, well, the Sixers almost won, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, It's been Paul Reed. He talked about how Paul struggled last time they played Giannis, which isn't really true. Um, I I don't know why he thought 37-year-old Paul Millsap would be better equipped for that particular matchup. So, you know, the mind boggles, you know, who knows what Doc is thinking at this point, but it's promising, I guess, to see him go away from DeAndre Jordan, to know that there's like some room for change there. We'll see if it sticks around. He pointed out that Milwaukee was like a particularly poor matchup for Jordan. Again, I would argue that most of them are particularly poor matchups for Jordan. Um, Pretty much every matchup. And a lot of them are particularly poor matchups for Millsap, too. So it's not a problem that's going to be easy to solve. But, yeah, Milwaukee has a better bench and a better supporting Mm -hmm. cast around its three, four stars than Philly does. Well, I don't Um, think Danny and Niang play bad, and Shake had us all game, too. Yeah, I, I mean, Danny and Niang hit some big shots down the stretch there. Shake had a pretty good game. Not I'm not saying that Philly doesn't have anyone who can step up, but um, 
like they, you've benched who I trust most in the playoffs, it's probably Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton and those guys. Bobby Porters, we know, can have big games. So that's probably... They got Serge Ibaka as insurance. Yeah. So I, I, I think Milwaukee is the better supporting cast. But again, this is these are two really good teams with some really good players at the top. So Lucas... Hypothetically, these two teams meet in the playoffs. Do you think the Sixers can win four to seven games? The the honest answer is I'm not sure. I'm I'm not sure. Last two games they split. I I would say that I think the series will go seven. Like two episodes ago, you put Philly higher on your power rankings than Milwaukee. I did, I did, but that was before this game, and information changes. It's fluid, like Stephen A. Smith said. It's fluid. Um, I am, I'm allowed to change my mind based on new, you know, facts and opinions given, and this was definitely some new information that has definitely changed my outlook. I, I. I think it goes seven games, Chris. I I can't say definitively if the Sixers would win this now, just because, like you said, the 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 backup center position could yet again cost Philly a deep playoff run. I think that's. I honestly think that's probably the biggest gap between these two teams is the backup five, because they have both Bobby Portis and Serge Ibaka at the backup five. We have. Both, you know, probably players that you could argue should be out of the NBA and Paul Millsap and DeAndre Jordan giving us regular minutes at those spots. You guys are saying, or Chris was saying, Paul Millsap and then DeAndre Jordan. That, that's not really saying much to say that he's he played better than Jordan. Paul Reed needs minutes because he he's not going to have time to experiment, quote-unquote, in the playoffs once to hear, so he might as well use those minutes for him. If anything, he has six fouls to give on Giannis. He can get off the ground quickly. We've seen him block Giannis's shot in an earlier game this season against Milwaukee. So why Doc didn't go to him last the other night is baffling to me. And if the Sixers lose a playoff series, it's going to be because of, of his rotation, particularly at the five. Yeah, I, 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 I've, I don't, and I think Chris, were you the one that published about Doc Rivers today, or was that somebody else? Uh, no, that was someone else. Okay, well, I'm gonna agree with him. I think Doc Rivers' job, you know, you could argue, could be on the line this season, and I think the center rotation is very much the crux of it. I mean, we it was easy during the regular, you know, earlier in the season with DeAndre uh, Andre Drummond. I mean, that's easy. That's an easy, like, yes, of course you play him over every, everybody else. But now you got to choose youth versus experience. I, I don't think – I think you get to a point in the NBA where experience loses out because you can't perform what you know. And that's where I think both Drummond and you know, Millsap are. And you yeah. know what? I'll, I'll go a step further. It's partially on Daryl Morey for allowing the you know the depth chart at center to look like it is now. He could have told Doc no on you know on Jordan, or he could have cut Paul Millsap. I'm not saying that there were a lot of better options out there. There there weren't, but I think you could have done slightly better than than those two. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I mean, you're you're preaching to the choir at this point when it comes to Paul it's, Reed. It's just as it's just as much Maury's fault as it is Rivers' fault because Maury 
enabled rivers to make these choices. And I wrote about it last week. I, you know, it's kind of time for Maury to step in and put, you know, put up, you know, his, you know, support for Paul Reed because analytics show that Paul Reed's the better player between him and Jordan. I mean, as as far as like holistically looking at a playoff series, I I would probably pick Milwaukee to win. Could the Sixers win? Absolutely. I agree. That's probably a six or seven game series. No doubt in my mind that Philly could beat Milwaukee. I, I Again, it's just like there's more of a proven track record with Giannis going all the way now. We've seen Middleton and Holiday do it at that highest level. Haven't quite seen it from Joel and even James yet. Uh, obviously, they can, but um, I, I think Milwaukee's is a little bit more well-rounded. They're more comfortable with each other on that team. They've been around the block a couple times now. Um, I, I like still can't get over the fact that you guys were telling me Tyrese Maxey was better than Chris Middleton. It's still like blasphemy, but he's career-wise, Middleton times. has had almost a decade worth of experience. I know. Tyrese in the that, second year. Yes. It, he's a better player with more experience. You're who has, right. Who has a better three point shooting percentage right now, Chris? Maxi. Okay. I was Does that to see make him a better player? Yes. No. <laughs> I mean, Middleton's you could argue. Yes, he's more. Middleton's polished. averaging more assists per game than Maxi, more rebounds. Middleton's a better player. If you had the best version of a. a Middleton game versus the best version of a Tyrese Max game. Which version? Whose game would you rather have the best of? Like, say Middleton, guys. Chris Middleton is awesome. He doesn't get a lot of credit because he's in Giannis's shadow. Mm-hmm. But like Middleton, when he's cooking, is absurd, and he's like one of the most gifted one-on-one shot makers in the league. See, when he's cooking. See, the thing is, I just I kind of he's not like that. Like, okay. This is going to sound bad, but I don't, I just don't see him as a quick twitch guy. Like, he doesn't create. You don't need to be a quick twitch guy. Jokic just might win his second MVP. Jokic is like the slowest twitch guy in the world. Okay. Jokic can't, in the words of Peter, he's this year. In the world, is not quick twitch. Quick twitch doesn't necessarily mean you're a better player. I'm not saying that. He's faster than Middleton, but Middleton has more skill, he's more polished. All around, he's just a better player, and he's like five inches taller. Okay, and we got to talk about Joel Embiid and his MVP candidacy because right now, guys, it's it's not looking great. Uh, let me just ask you this, Chris, first before we get into like the statistics and all that. Do you think losing to Giannis hurt Joel Embiid's MVP chances? Um. You know, I I don't think it should have. I, I think losing in a condensed span of time to Milwaukee and Phoenix and Denver, like not winning any of those games kind of stings. And I, I have no doubt that that might be coloring some people's perspective in this race. Had he beaten Denver in Phoenix or in Milwaukee, like had he won two or three of those games, I, I think we might be singing a different tune, but. Like, one game should not really make or break the MVP race. I, I don't think it should have an outsized impact, but I'm cer- certain people are going to think about it. Um, every voter is different, but I'm, I'm sure it's going to, you know, contribute in some small way to the narrative. Yeah, 
I don't I don't know because I'll say this Giannis is gonna have a lot of you know publicized games over the next couple weeks can't remember all their games but I know like tomorrow night they're gonna be playing against the Nets they're gonna be going against like Phoenix soon too they're gonna have a lot of televised games and against a lot of stars so you could make the case that you know Giannis could very much put himself in there if the Bucks go on a tear and he's the main reason why. Um, but yeah. do I do I think Giannis? I I I think it's possible if Joel kind of coasts and maybe takes a couple games off and Giannis kind of you know goes in and like dominates all these really good teams. Like I'm not saying Giannis could win, but could he jump Joel and like? standings for mvp from second i mean from third to second yeah i think yeah i think it's a possibility but did i think this particular game hurts his overall chances no it just happened just it could hurt if Giannis goes on a tear though yeah i i'm not too worried about Giannis jumping joel i think we're kind of too far down the Embiid Jokic rabbit hole at this point um not that Giannis Uh, doesn't have like a pretty strong statistical you know, resume, case, whatever you want. Like, across the board, Giannis stacks up pretty well with Embiid, and there's certainly a case to be made there, but I, I feel like Embiid's going to finish first or second at this point pretty definitively. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. We can't know until it happens. So, Chris, you're talking about where they could rank. Uh, ESPN does the straw poll. They've been doing it for a couple of years now. In the most recent straw poll, I think Tim Bontemps does it. Um, Jokic came away with 62 of the 100 first place votes. Joel came away with 29. Giannis with nine. Morant had zero at fourth. And Tatum had zero at fifth. But those were fourth and fifth place. Uh, and total points, if we're going by points, Giannis had a, a, a 860, Joel had 719. So, Chris, let me just ask you this, man. Does uh, what what do you think of these this most recent straw poll? Um, I mean, I think it certainly indicates that the momentum has kind of swung in Jokic's favor. You know, that's like kind of a bummer. Obviously, everyone on this podcast would like Joel to win. I, I think Joel clearly wants to win. Again, we can I can keep like beating a dead horse. They both have really strong cases. You can't really go wrong. I have no problem with Jokic being the top player on these. Like like he, he has earned that right. It's not wrong to put Jokic there. I, I mean, 62 to 29 is a pretty large margin. Not that this straw poll means anything definitive. It's just a media member straw poll. But those are the guys, ultimately, that will probably be voting when the actual ballots are cast. Um, I, I think Jokic is the betting favorite right now across like all the major sports books. I, I think we're heading in the direction of Jokic winning his second in a row and like being totally deserving of that. But um, also, you could totally see a world where Embiid wins. Sixers have some pretty easy matchups coming down the pipe here. If Joel puts up a couple 40-point games, gets Philly that one seed, if that's what happens, then 
some people might look back towards Joel. So it, it could go either way still. Uh, I think Jokic is probably going to end up taking it, which is, is kind of a bummer. But, um, yeah, that's, I think, where my head's at. Yeah, Chris, it doesn't help that Jokic just came away against the, uh, the Pacers with 37-13-9. Granted, he had seven turnovers, but it, it people aren't going to look at that. You know, we, we all think that Joel is deserving of an MVP. Uh, certainly be, certainly before James Harden came, and I still think he's putting up fantastic numbers. So you can d- certainly make the case that he's, he should still be an MVP frontrunner, but it's, it's, it's not making me feel great about his prospects, Chris, for sure. And then, you know, in the past and currently, Joel has been featured on talk shows and Sports Illustrated public, publicizing his desire to win an MVP. Chris, was this a good idea or... Should he have waited until the race was over about his wanting his, you know, urge urging to win the MVP? Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with it. I, I don't quite understand the people who do have an issue with it. I There's nothing wrong with wanting to win MVP. Joel has earned the right to win MVP, obviously, like as far as narrative and story arc goes for a career. Very few people have overcome what Embiid has overcome to get to this point. I, I totally get why he wants to win. I and I, you know, I hope he does win. He's again a very deserving candidate, and just one of the coolest people we've seen come through the sports world in a while. It'd be great if he won. Um, so yeah, I I don't have a problem with it. I I struggle with the people who are like criticizing him for going on a media tour and oh, Jokic doesn't care. He just plays and all that stuff. It doesn't really land for me. Um, there's a lot of like bad faith arguments from both fan bases. I think at this point trying to tear guys down when that's just not necessary. I, I think we can just celebrate the fact that we have two great players playing at a historic level right now. Um, you know, Joel should want it. He clearly does want it. There's nothing wrong with that. I have no problem with him saying that to Sports Illustrated or whoever, JJ Reddick. He's earned that right. So that's where I stand on it. Yeah, Chris, I'm pretty much in the same boat. He's been saying this since like his third year or whatever year it was when Jimmy was traded to the team. Jimmy Butler, of course. So I've never had a problem with this. You know, we've known that he's been hungry for this for a while. That and defensive player of the year, he's clearly not going to get that. But MVP is much more likely. Um, and I think he, I, you know, I don't think it hurts his chances. I think it just puts everybody, he's, I think it's just a good, you know, marketing strategy of marketing himself to the voters as like, I'm going to be an MVP candidate for you guys. So I have no problem with that at all. And let's talk about the Sixers last seven games here. We are coming up to the playoffs, Lucas, the top of the East in the standings is really tight right now. Philly's, as of this recording, a game and a half behind Miami. Maybe two games, depending on the outcome of that Heat-Boston game. Um, One through four is basically up in the air. Right now, Philly is in the four seed. They could be the three seed by tomorrow. Um, But right now, we're looking at probably Chicago, Toronto, or Cleveland. Maybe Brooklyn in a first-round matchup, Lucas. How many wins do you think the Sixers get from here on out? I'll list out their opponents. We got at Detroit, Charlotte, 
at Cleveland, at Indiana, at Toronto, and then a home back-to-back to end the season against Indiana and Detroit. How do you think the Sixers are going to fare in those last seven games? And where do you predict that they're going to fall in the final standings? I predict they're going to go six and one during that stretch. I, I think they've, they've pretty much owned Detroit and Cleveland for the season. I think Charlotte got one win, but I, I, I still feel good about beating Charlotte. Indiana is in a rebuild. Toronto as we said in the last podcast, just does not make me feel good about any time they play Toronto. So I think they lose that one. But where do I think they end in the standings? Uh, that's a good question. I, it, it's honestly a hard to say. Just because, but, but if I'm going purely off their schedule, they should probably either be first or second. Um, but it also, you know... I'll, clearly depends on the rest of the, you know, what happens in the rest of the East too. Cause you know, even though Milwaukee has a tough schedule, they could end up getting that one seat as well. I mean, Miami hasn't looked great. I think they've lost, I think they lost their game tonight. Um, let's see here. They Boston. did the, no, the Boston lost. Okay. So Miami's still on top, but it's, it's not like, I, I don't like you said nothing set in stone. So I, I think the Sixers could very well go six and one and be a top two seed by the time this is over. Or they could just stay in the fourth seed, which I would like because I would like them to fight against go against the you know Bulls. I I like that matchup for Philly. Yeah. So I, I think we're on the same page there. It's still really up in the air. Um I, I think both of us would prefer to avoid Brooklyn in the first round. I think both of us would prefer to avoid Toronto. So let's boil it down here to Cleveland and Chicago. Lucas, who would you rather play in the first round? In the first round, who would I rather play? As much as I would love to see Joel feast against, you know, Vucevic, they do have DeMar DeRozan, who has been a pretty good closer this year. Um, And but what the you know with all the injuries that Cleveland has gone through and just the fact that you know we know for a fact Jared Allen cannot slow down Joel neither can Evan Mobley like they have nobody that can actually like bother Joel at all but I mean who does but still and they're just young I I think the Sixers would very much enjoy taking advantage of a young team like that in the postseason yeah I agree I think Cleveland's the weakest link at this point in the top eight um, that's like no, no shade on them. They've played a really great season, but Chicago, a lot of the playoffs just comes down to star power, frankly. And Chicago, like you said, has DeMar DeRozan, who might finish top five, top six, seven in MVP voting. They have Zach Levine, who's a great player. And Vucevic, Caruso, Lonzo, a pretty interesting group of guys around them. So I'd rather play Cleveland. Not that Cleveland doesn't have, again, if Allen's back healthy, two All-Stars. Mobley's might win Rookie of the Year. That's a really talented team, too. But they just don't have the offensive firepower or the experience, I don't think, to really challenge the Sixers right now. So Cleveland's the ideal matchup. I'm not particularly scared of Chicago either, frankly. But, yeah, I, I think Cleveland's the team Philly should ideally want to play if they're getting their pick of opponent. In addition to the star power that you mentioned and the youth that Lucas mentioned, another advantage to playing Cleveland is the Sixers are more likely to beat them faster in a a seven-game series. So 
comparing that, getting a sweep in Cleveland versus maybe going six games against Chicago is we'll give them some rest in the next round. So that's another advantage. Unless you guys think that the Sixers could sweep Chicago. I don't I don't know if they do that. Yeah. I, I mean I think any of those series could go five or six. Like I'm not discounting Cleveland's ability to come in and steal a game or two. Um but yeah, I, I think Cleveland and Chicago would be the quicker series. I definitely don't think there would be as much wear and tear against Cleveland or Chicago as there would be against Toronto, for example, or Brooklyn, which could get really nasty. So yeah, Cleveland and Chicago are the two teams I'd most want to face, and Cleveland's at the bottom there. But um, it could go either way. And we're going to just talk about a little bit of free agent rumor coming up this offseason. Jake Fisher said on a recent podcast, there's a lot more smoke about Bradley Beal's free agent decision. People are talking about the Philadelphia outcome, right? with the potential of Harden taking less money and it could be a sign of trade with Tobias. Chris, if Harden takes less money to make room for Beal, what kind of package would Washington expect and what would Philly be willing to give up? Um, I, I think it would be a lot in both cases. Bradley Beal is a really tremendous player, obviously. Um, Washington is probably going to start negotiations with Tyrese Maxey. Um, that seems the logical place to go. Whether or not Philly ultimately gives up Maxi, you know, is a different conversation. Uh, I think a lot of us would agree that Tobias is kind of like a negative value contract. So him alone is not going to poach Bradley Beal, I would expect. Um, I think Matisse Thibel would be quite likely to end up in Washington, D.C. if this trade were to happen. Um, obviously, you know, pick, pick your poison with the young guys at the bottom of the bench, Paul Reed. Jaden Springer, Charles Bassey, all those guys would be liable to be included. Um, but I, I think Maxi and Thibel are obviously the two guys next to Harden, or Harris, pardon me, that, that Washington would have the most interest in. Uh, as, as far as do you want to give up Maxi, there's a debate to be had. Do you want to pair Maxi and Beal and Harden together? Do you think that team would hold up defensively? It's a valid question. Um, do you want to have three guards? Do you not want to have three guards? Um, I, I know your general stance on this, Lucas, would be to not trade Maxi, and I think that's fair. But again, as, as great as Tyrese Maxi is, and as high as his ceiling is, Bradley Beal is the guy who led the NBA in scoring the other year. Um, so I, I think Philly should be willing to consider giving up quite a lot, but we will see. If this has any, if there's any fire to this smoke, we'll see. I don't know, Chris. I, you know, Beal made a big jump back in his production this season. It's not like they couldn't use those 30 points, but for some reason he was stuck around 23. His shooting's way down. You know, he's still in his prime, so I'm sure he'll he'll figure it out. But Chris, I just, I I would not, and I think your eye is on the same boat on, with me. I don't think I would trade Tyrese Maxey for Beal at this point. Maxi get window to be good, and he is just as good to help you out now. And if you wanted to trade Tobias Harris, so be it. Get some more depth. Clearly, they need it. But, but I mean, but that's uh, the thing, right? Like Maxi is not just as good as Beal right now. I I, I, I think that's a stretch. Maxi is okay. really good, and he can have some peak nights that are up there. But 
like base level average production night to night. I agree Beal had a down season, but like Beal is a significantly better player than Tyrese. Okay, Maxey. okay, rephrase. Would you get the same out of based off of Beal the just the season? If do you get more out of Tyrese and Tobias or just Beal? Because that's what the package would be built around. Well, if we're going I... by just this season, keeping Tobias and Maxi makes more sense than going after Beal. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there are certain benefits to moving off of Tobias's contract, and you know, Beal's going to be going spot. for a super max. James he Harden's going to be going for a close to super max. Yeah, and James Harden can get a lot more because he's older. Chris, that type of salary cap, like that, that could if if Harden and Joel and Beal hasn't been the most healthiest either in his career. If they end up starting having injuries after injuries, it could put the Sixers into basketball purgatory again. And I, I agree. I'd rather just keep it as is. And like, I'm not. I'm of course Beal would make the Sixers better in the short term, but like. I just I, well, that's I the don't argument, this... right is like the short term matters a lot more than the long term right now. You're trying to win while Joel is playing like an MVP. And, and look what happened to the Lakers when they did that. They won a championship. The Lakers have a championship. Yeah, they won them in the bubble. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't care. They won. It it, it worked. Uh, you, yeah, and now look at them. They're stuck with Russell Westbrook. But if you know, Philly won and, a championship and, and Anthony, for the first time in 40 years, I think fans would be pretty content with that. So I look so, yeah, so Lucas. To, I, I'm coming to your aid. I'm worried. Thank you. I'm coming to support you when it comes to Tyrese Maxey. I understand where Chris is coming from, but if I give you three names of guards in the NBA who are young and took huge leaps in their production and skill set, I'm going to give you Tyler Hero. I'm going to give you Darius Garland, and I'm going to give you John Morant. Look at what Tyrese Maxey did in one season. So that tells you. That next year could be a huge, even a that, bigger yep. leap. And mm-hmm. if we trade him to Washington, we're going to regret it. And mm-hmm. Beal, like you were saying, Lucas, he's got some injury issues. He's older and he's peaked. We know what we're getting with him. He's just a so, pure shooter. Maxi can be so much more than a shooter, as we've seen already. Uh, well, Beal is much more than a shooter. Beal, Beal can he? be a playmaker. Yeah, he can Beal be a playmaker. Beal is a better playmaker than Maxi by far yeah. right mm-hmm. now as things stand. All right, like, I'll give you that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, look, Maxi's better than Tyler Hero. The Heat would trade Tyler Hero for Bradley Beal tomorrow. Um, I, I don't think Maxi has They didn't trade him for James Harden. I, I don't think Maxi has Morant's ceiling. So I, I think Maxi is like in the middle of those two. I, like I, as far I think- as... I think he's on a Darius Garland, maybe not in terms of playmaker, but in terms of scoring, Chris. I think he's on that Darius Garland level of a score, to be honest. I mean, or like maybe even slightly better. Maybe I see him peaking around 23, 24 points a game. I don't think that's insane to say. I mean, granted, he's he's probably not going to reach that peak very often because he's with Joel, but like the fact that he's so good and I think part of Maxi's issue is, is that he defers too much. Yeah, yeah, I he agree. defers. Maxi he defers too is much. a really brilliant young player, and mm-hmm. he obviously looks great as like the number three guy next to Joel and James. Whether that means he's going to be John Morant or Darius Garland is yet to be seen. Is it possible? Sure, he could be on Garland's level. Is he there yet? 
I'd be hesitant to say that. Um, but yeah, I it it depends on what you prefer. If you are more prefer, you know, if you prefer the to take the longer view in the room and you want to build towards the future after Joel, then obviously you keep Maxi. If you're like we're going all in on the next two three years and we're trying to win with Joel right now, we're going to do everything we can. Then you have to consider it because I think Beal gives you a better chance in the very short term. Um, the, you can make the arguments way- both way. I, I think ultimately there's a chance you could get Beal for like Harris, Thibault, and some picks, and I would do that. I oh yeah yeah yeah. I yeah, yeah, yeah. three guards. I'd try I, out. Yeah, yeah you, you can try always out. trade Maxi after the fact. If you're able to get Beal, Maxi, and Harden, you can trade Maxi before the trade deadline if you if yeah. you need to. So, um, I, I I I tell you what would be an, a a really interesting fly on the wall situation is if Daryl Morey approached Joel Embiid privately and said, "Joel, I'm gonna take a shot at Beal, but it includes Maxi." I wonder what Joel would say. Would he say? I I think he loves Maxi too much. You see the that's, you see the friendship thinking, there, Lucas. That's what I'm. I, I don't I don't. Yeah. What is Chris? Um, I, I mean, the rumors we've heard is that Joel was pushing for Beal before the Harden trade. But that was for Ben Simmons. I, oh, no, not I agree, for Ty- but I, I think Joel clearly has interest in playing with Bradley Beal. Um, mm-hmm. Joel is also very clearly, like, focused on winning at whatever cost. Like, like I, I know, I'm sure he loves Maxi. I know everyone loves Maxi. Um, but I, I wouldn't be so sure that Joel would, like... 100 uh, uh, they keep maxi off the table i'll say this if maxi did by chance go to the wizards which i'm not endorsing nor would i be approve of he might be an all-star next season i agree <laughs> i i think agree. you could completely. he would be their point guard of the future he clearly learned how to play point guard this season for the sixers before James Harden was coming, I think he had a 10-game ten, ten stretch where he was averaging over, like, six assists a game. Like, the guy knows how to score. He would have free range. Like, that. honestly, you look at that roster. If you want to build around Tyrese, they have the pieces. You have some really good forwards. And Denny Aviad, you have Rui Hachimura. You got really good center depth with, who is it, um... Thomas Bryant. Dan. You can't say they have really good center depth and then ask who is it. I think that's an no, 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 no. I just I was asking myself because I had the like. <laughs> it's dude, Porzingis. Don't, don't, it's like Porzingis yeah, is the center. I forgot about Porzingis. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Porzingis. That's yeah. He's he's a great it's center. Like, yeah, like uh, Maxi would. I Maxi would be the best player on Washington for sure. He and would he be would put up numbers. You give Maxi huh? the ball, we know that he can put up numbers. I have, I have no doubt. I, I think he Does would. Does he have bu- like the scoring bu- playmaking instincts of the Garlands and the Morants and stuff? I don't think so. Not yet, mm-hmm. at least. Could he get there? Does he work as hard as those guys? Does he want to get there? Absolutely. Like Washington, if I could trade Bradley Beal for Tyrese Maxi and Tobias Harris and a bunch of picks, I'd probably make that trade. Like for sure. Yeah, if, I'm, if I'm Washington, yeah. you. I honestly, I if, I'm, trade, if I'm Tommy Shepard. I would not do the deal without Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, I, I think that could be a win for both sides, frankly. Um, <sighs> but, yeah, I it, it depends. I, I wouldn't, like, I'd do everything I could to keep Maxey. Obviously, I'm a believer in Maxey as, you know, I, I he's 
clearly. Let me say this: if, if the Sixers could have trade, if he they could have drafted him in 2016 or 17, yeah, I'm calling out you, Fultz. And he could have just developed on the team naturally. You know how much Jimmy Butler would have loved playing with Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, I, I, I Markel. <laughs> It wasn't his fault. You know what it's I mean? It's not his fault. I'm not blaming Markel. Markel looks just, great. He's he, he like looks like a great good time man. in Orlando. Yeah, he looks like he's going to be a good sixth man for them. All love for Markel, I don't know, man. I think there's a real chance he's just better than Cole Anthony. Once, once they oh, Cole play. Anthony looks honestly – yeah, he's putting up numbers, but Cole can we Anthony. be real – he he he's he's a volume shooter and he's not well, a Anthony good Anthony is scoring seventeen a game on like thirty nine percent shooting, exactly. which is fine yeah. when your team sucks. But yeah, I think he might be the sixth man more than Markel. Yeah, he should he should be the sixth man. Honestly, he's not a good he's he yeah he's a volume shooter, but he's not shooting that well. He's a great dunker. Um, he's a great dunker. Uh, maybe in Timberlands, maybe, but we didn't really get to see that. I guess. Um. <laughs> But no, we're getting off track here, guys. Um, I guess my other question would be how how would Beal look with the Sixers playing alongside Harden and Embiid? Um, uh, he'd look pretty great. It's like three players who are extremely difficult to guard. Um, you know, we you know Beal has played a lot of ball dominant basketball in his career, but he also has been very successful playing next to John Wall. Um. You put him next to Harden and Embiid, he's going to have a lot of room to operate. He's going to be be able to attack weaker matchups, or Harden's going to be able to attack weaker matchups. It's going to draw a lot of attention out to the perimeter, which would allow Joel, obviously, to do more damage inside. Like, Philly, with Beal, Harden, and Embiid, should, on paper, have like the best offense in the NBA. Um Especially, it, if you're, especially if you're getting like rid of Matisse Thibel and putting in Beal and like another shooter, that offense. It, the defense is a real question mark, um, but it is right now with Thibel. The defense is a real pressing question mark, and you can't always play Thibel in big games, anyways. So, yeah, I I think you take the elite offense again. It, it would look really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would look great. I think Beal would end up having to be more of a spot-up shooter just based off the ball dominance. There's always that third star that has to convert to being a spot-up shooter, but like you said, Beal's kind of done that before with John Wall in a sense. I'm not too worried about it. And I, I, I actually, speaking of Wall, I think I read something recently to where Beal was upset that he didn't get one more year with Wall. Uh, that being said, I just... Uh, yeah, I mean they would they would be one of the best offenses. You know, you could probably liken it close to what you know Harden had with Kyrie and KD in Brooklyn, probably on that same level to be honest. But I just I don't know, guys. That's uh, that's giving up even more depth again because you're losing two starter guys who are borderline all stars this season. Well, here's what I'll say. Yeah, you like Harris is like no. No skin off my back. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's it's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Thibault probably isn't really good enough to be starting on a contender, anyways. Okay. So, like that, those two are fine. If you lose Maxi, that's where the hangup is. That's where like the depth concerns. If if you're giving, and you're probably still gonna have to send draft picks on top of all that too, Chris. And the Sixers, especially if you're not sending out Maxi. 
And then the yeah. question becomes, you have three guards who don't defend at a super high level. You're really small around Joel. How do you manage that? But I'm fine with that problem. You know, I mean, as long as you, you can get somebody on the, you know, level of like Harrison Barnes in terms of like defensive versatility, that becomes less of a factor then. Yeah. Um, that's for sure. But I, I, will just, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't think he's that versatile. He can't guard. Paul Reed cannot guard twos. Maybe threes, but not two. Well, no, he's going to be playing the four next to three guards. He's not going to be I guarding two. I mean, I'm just saying, I just, uh, I don't know. I mean, if you want, that's the thing. Like, you want your four to be able to guard, like, because I would trust James Harden on fours. He's He did it in Houston. I have no problems with that. I I would not, I, I want my four to be defensively versatile enough to guard one through four. All right. So you're just not a believer in Paul Reed, is what you're saying. Uh, not being able to guard guards, yes. I, 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 sense I, of faith is what I'm hearing. Um, <laughs> that's fine. You're, you're right. Man has his own opinion. What say that again? He, he, I'm saying Paul Reed cannot guard ones and twos. Yeah, he, yeah, who, uh, you're not gonna like he have can't. Paul Reed check Trey Young. That's yeah, true. that's not Maxi would have to improve. To a certain degree. I think Mac and, is improving though. That's the crazy he, uh, thing. He is. But like he'd have to get better. And you know, Beal would have to put in some effort. James has been putting in pretty okay effort in Philadelphia. Like there are obviously limitations to how well he can move and he's not like super tuned in off the ball, but like like James is playing hard enough. So if you can assure that kind of effort from those three guys and you get a decent usable like passable fourth like fifth starter who can shoot you're probably going to be okay you're you're going to be a good team whether or not the defense is good enough is again a valid question but um the defense is like really not good enough right now so you know that's yeah. that's a separate issue from Beal <laughs> for sure but I think on that note, Chris, I think it's time for us to wrap this up. Okay. Um, to all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to yet another week's episode of the Six Cents Podcast. Please like, subscribe, and follow along on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or at our website, thesixofcents.com, where you can read our written work. We'll be back to talk more about this team as the playoffs get nearer. So we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.